Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you. Last Sunday of the year. Can you believe it? Crazy that year blew by. And again, echoing Josh, if uh, you're new today, we are so glad that you're here. And I hope that this time will be encouraging for you. If you have returned from Christmas Eve, welcome back. Uh, Glad to have you back. And if you're watching online, glad that you're viewing today. Uh, We are wrapping up 2014. And I do want to share a little bit about where we're going to be going in 2015. It's not going to be new if you've been part of CVC the last six months or so. But I want to bring a little bit more depth to a challenge that we're taking on as a church. But before we do, let's talk a little bit about 2014 and and how we're going to wrap that up a little bit. And typically with every year, I don't know about you, but, but I get a little bit reflective. I start to think about, okay, you know, what happened this year that was good? What happened this year that was bad? And you know, what were some personal highlights? And so uh, what were some of your personal highlights from 2014? Some of you had a great year. Some of you had a rough year. Some of you might have had just an eh year, just another year, checking the box, you know. Um, but for me, I had a couple significant things. One of my biggest highlights for the year was finally uh, graduating college. <laughs> and uh, I'm totally going on, you know, I, it's shame. Sh- Shameless in one sense and shameful in another, but um, those of you who know my story know that I had just a lot of academic failures as a young man, a lot of confusion, and so it took me 12 years to get my undergrad, another seven years to get my graduate degree, Um, took me forever, Um, but the bottom line was, regardless of the slow pace, regardless of trying to you know, manage family and a full-time job and all the other things that happened, um, I was able to finish well and finish strong. And, and something I encourage you guys, no matter what your journey is, whatever challenges are going on, whatever's going on in your life, imprint those two words into your spirit, man, finish strong. You know, whether that's, whether you're working out on a treadmill and you got two minutes left, ah, I'm done, you know, versus like, no, I'm going to watch that thing count down to the zero, or whether it's that job or that, that you know, whatever it is, are you, are you dedicated to finish strong and finish well? And so for 2014, what's left that you can just finish strong in as you look at the year? Don't give up. Don't just be done. Like, what, what can you do to finish strong? Put a punctuation mark, an exclamation point on your year. And how can we as a community finish strong? I think we've had a good year as a church. You know, there's, there's ups and downs for every organization and community, and we're, we're definitely part of that as well. But what are some of the highlights that uh, we can look at and say, those were strong finishes for us? Well, there's, there's a pretty good list, but I just want to share a few of the things that were strong highlights for us as a church. One, we had over 150 people indicate that they made a decision for Christ, and that's, that's why we exist. Yeah, we rejoice with that. Um, that does not count Christmas Eve, by the way. So Christmas Eve, we had every service, people indicated they wanted to you know, make a decision for Christ. So that doesn't even count Christmas Eve. So that's, that's what makes us tick. If you're, if you're new here today or newer, you're going to find out more about us as a church. Like, what are they really about? You know, what's this whole... Hey, we just want people to come and experience the love, the forgiveness, and the new life that Jesus Christ has to offer. And so we rejoice over the 150-plus people that expressed new life in Christ this year. Uh, 58 of those people went public with their faith and got baptized. And a lot of you saw those uh, demonstrated, whether out at the lake or on the screen. Uh, if, if you've been here long enough, you know that we're basically about three things. We're about worship, groups, and serve. That if you're in a regular rhythm of being in a worship environment, which is typically this environment, a group environment, which is a life group, 
and that you're serving, you're using your gifts and abilities and talents for the work of the Lord, um, if you're doing those three things and you're doing those well, you're going to grow spiritually. And so one of the things that's really exciting is that, you know, we have over 100 life groups. And we had 26 new life group leaders step up this year and say, I'll lead a life group. And, and even in our own life group, we have a couple new families that they've never done a life group together before. And just watching them grow and watching the joy come from them being in a life group. And so we're excited about the amount of life groups that we have and the new leaders that have been raised. And of course, if you're here and you have not gotten into a life group yet, we strongly encourage you to do that. It'll help you grow spiritually. Also, we had a record amount of students participate in our camps. We really believe that camp can be a a small amount of time where God does a lot in the life of a, a student, a teenager. And so we had our largest summer camp and our largest winter retreat this year for our student ministry, um, 165 kids went to summer camp and 124 went to winter retreat. And God really worked in the lives of those students. Uh, as usual, we, we saw God really use our annual sports camp to impact children and families. And we had over 1,255 kids participate in our annual sports camp. We just know that uh, the Lord loved on those kids through our staff and through the truth of the message of Scripture. And so we're very excited about that. We had 144 moms at the mom camp, which was awesome for that as well. Uh, a little bit more on the broader spectrum, uh, we adopted, officially adopted an unreached people group, a group of people in the world that could not on their own discover a relationship with Christ. And so uh, we adopted the Soli people, as we call them, in, on Pearl Island. Uh, they're in Indonesia. And we had our very first mission team go to that island, and out of that, uh, they saw one person give their life to Christ, which is a huge thing, because this is an island of three uh, million Muslims, and so for one person to say, I I want Christ in my life is a huge win, and so that was a big win, and just on that level of international missions, yeah, that's great. Um, on On the international missions, we saw more people participate on an international mission trip this year than I think we've ever had as a church, a high record number. So God's using our people. Uh, other little things we've done that sometimes we don't realize the effect. How many of you remember this card right here? Okay, a lot of you. My name is God card. Uh, for those of you who weren't here, uh, our desire is just that more people get pointed to God. They don't have to always be pointed to a CVC, but pointed to the Lord. And so we produce this little card that just says, my name is God. And on the back is a QR code and a website. They can go to that website, scan the code. And it just takes them to some links where they can learn more about a relationship with God. And uh, I asked for the stats on that just a couple weeks ago. And as of a couple weeks ago, uh, this website saw over 3,000 hits in this last year. And so over 3,000 people, because you guys left these everywhere, and by the way, these were like seen all over the world. You know, we can go and see that it was mapped out where people hit on this thing from all over the world, multiple uh, states, United States. So these really got out there. So thank you for that. And when they go to that website, uh, so out of the 3,000 people that went to the website for My Name is God, there's a link on there to another website called The Story. And the story is a place where they can go and just hear about how to have a relationship with God through Jesus. And we had about 800 of those people went to that link. And so just because a lot of you took a little card and left it somewhere, God used the curiosity of those people to expose them to the message of God's love through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so, man, those are things to celebrate. Those are things that were really strong for us this last year. There's more. Don't have time. But I think the thing that's more important is that every single one of those stats, you know, every single one of those numbers has a face. And every single one of those faces has a name. And every one of those names has a story. And I thought it would just be great to hear one story of not just a person, but a family that's experienced new life in Christ and just, uh, you know, movement in their family spiritually because God's used our church. And so I want to invite Rob Shaheen uh, to come and hang out with me here for a little bit. He's, he's going to share a little bit about what God's done in their life. So can you guys uh, welcome Rob up here? Amen. 
Rob and I have gotten a chance to get to know each other over this last year or so. Um, our kids go to the same school. They're buddies. They get to hang out. Um, and so I've been really on the front lines of listening to what God's been doing in your life. And one of the reasons I invited you to share today is because without fail, almost every time we talk about God, we talk about church, we talk about the Bible, uh, you and your family members have this enthusiasm. Uh, a lot of times when we say that new life in Christ, you really see people wear it, like they're just excited, and, and you're, you're one of those, you know, and so uh, we rejoice in what God's been doing in the life of the Shaheen family. So on that note, why don't you take a minute here just to tell us a little bit about your background, like where do you guys come sure. from, and what was your history spiritually? Well, we, we started to um, come to CVC at the, about two years ago, um, but prior to that, we had been in the same church, Christian, Christian church, our entire lives, um, born and raised in that church. My wife was from Buffalo, and I grew up here in the Cleveland area, and we met in the youth group there and on uh, Valentine's Day in 1998. We got married in the church, and we served in the church in many different capacities. And we have two boys. Um, they're now 11 and 9. And at the time, a couple years ago, we had been, a, for a few years, we had been just kind of frustrated and, and different things. And then we would really kind of try to have conversations and get to the root of it. And really what it was, was we were very empty, you know, spiritually empty. We were lifeless. And really what started to, we started to see that was with, with, in our boys, that they really didn't care if we went to church again. I mean, we, we always went to church. We went every, actually, we went to two services a week. And we would get the boys ready for church. And it was like pulling teeth. And, you know, you run out of excuses that they're little and they just want to play after a while. And we, especially in our oldest, we started to, we really saw that, you know, he really had, was not engaged. He had, he had no desire uh, to go and he would just stand there and, and, you know, it was a very lifeless situation. And then we saw that it was be, our feelings and the way we felt empty and not fulfilled and not growing and not engaged was being reflected in our, in our children. Yeah. So empty, looking for something that would bring more life, and you heard about CVC. How did you hear about CVC, and when you guys first decided to come and show up, what was your first experience like? Sure. We, we live in the area, so we get on and off the highway right here. Uh, so we, see, we, knew, we knew CVC existed, and we'd seen the sign, and we you know, saw sports camp the, the week that that took place, and we would see that the parking lot was full quite often. And, you know, it's another church. We pass, you know what? seven or eight or nine churches going down wallings into where we live. And uh, so one year my oldest was playing baseball and one of his good friends was on the team and, and I got to be friends with one of the other dads. His name's Jack Peak, And we, we would always sit next to each other. We had our chairs. We'd go through the ritual, open the chairs up, sit by each other on the third baseline, watch practice, watch the games. You know, and as we got to know each other in conversations, I really remarked at how excited he was about his faith very openly and at a situation, oh, Rob, I'll pray for you. And we prayed right there and followed up. It wasn't just I'll pray for you. It was the next game. How's that situation going? I'm still praying for you. My wife's praying for you. We're all praying for you. Very, very excited about his faith. So, of course, I ask, you know, where do you go to church? He says, oh, we go to, you know, Cogga Valley Church, the, the big church there, Wallings in 77. And, well, what are your kids? You know, how are you? And he has a daughter that's older and his son, same age as my, my son. Oh, they love it. They love Sunday school. This middle school program is phenomenal. They can't wait to go. And they had come from another church as well. And he was kind of remarking at how it, you could just see it just bubbled over in him and his family. So I look at that, 
and I see, well, that's pretty much the opposite of me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not that way. I, I don't feel that way. I told my wife about it, you know, what we don't feel that way, why? So we started to really look into why we are where we are and, and doing what we do. And, and we did a lot. I mean, we, we served in many different capacities. We served with the youth and Sunday school and there was just, it was, it was lifeless. Mm. It, I, I can't describe it any more that better than that. It was, it was lifeless. Like we were going through the motions mm. and we wanted some of what, you know, what, what Jack had, you know, what, what, what did he have? Why did he feel that way? And we observed his kids and, and the way that they were. And, and, and so we decided, you know, January of 20, uh, 2013, we said, you know, we, we, we need to do something. So we made the decision to start looking around and visit, other churches in the area, and I, I never. Well, the first service we came to here was, if you guys remember the Myth series, it was the first service in the Myth series, which was interesting for us. <laughs> and you know, but I remember walking in, in the parking lot, and you know, before we even got in the building, ten people said good morning and, and how are you, and and so we come in, and you know, there's the biker guys out there, and and they're high fiving and hugging my kids, and and it was great. You know, it was fan- everybody was friendly. So I'm a little skeptical, and I'm thinking, yeah, okay, you know, let's let's when's this? You know, what, what's it really like? And we came into the service, and that myth series, I. I actually blew my mind the first one. I'm like, okay, we, we, we grabbed the Bible and it literally kind of picked the Bible up and went at home, you know, and, and opened it up. And it, what, what is, is that? I, that's not what I heard. That's not what I was taught. That's not what I've been led to believe or believe and dove in. And then I realized, you know, we really were not engaged with the Bible. We really weren't. And so as that myth series kept us coming, you know, why do we kept coming and all right, what's he going to teach us today? What's, what's he going to talk about today? kept digging into the Bible and, and really started, that's when we started to become self-feeders mm. was, was, was that time. And then the Bible reading plan and the encouragement to read the Bible. Because I, I went to the, my other church for 41 years, never read the Bible all the way through at all. I mean, I would read it what was appropriate for that teaching or for that youth service or whatever we were doing, but I never was engaged fully in the Bible. So you guys heard about... Worship groups serve, you've been coming, and so you, you plugged in. And, and how, how have you experienced new life in Christ? How has your family grown uh, since you guys have been here? Well, we, I, I told you this before, you know, that, remember that summer, I think it was the myth series went into the series in James, and we were very engaged uh, with that. Again, the skeptic that I am, I'm thinking, you know, you know we're, we're kind of on this high, you know, we're, we're growing, we're diving into this, these truths are being open to us, and, and we weren't, ups- I mean, we had, you know, Bible knowledge to a degree, and it was just more confirmation, and I'm starting to think, you know, near the end of that summer, all right, when's this going to kind of wear off, mm-hmm. you know, when's the newness going to wear off, because, you know, I, like, we're all probably getting ready to make all these big plans on we're going to exercise and we're going to lose this weight going, you know, all of our New Year's resolutions that by the second week in February we've forgotten about. Um, when's that going to kind of start to wear off? And it hasn't. You know, it, it didn't. It went through the winter and through last spring and through last summer, and it's continued to grow. And I, I, my wife and I talk about this all the time. I think one of the big things for us is the beloved, being a beloved child. We have never un- believe that more than we do now, that we are truly God's beloved children. And I remember we were talking one time, and you kind of articulated it this way, that you'd been in an environment where you heard a lot about Christ, mm-hmm. even kind of thought you knew him. Right. But once you got into the Bible, you realized, 
I, I don't, and then right. gave an authentic following of Christ moment in your life in the last couple of years. Oh, absolutely. The, 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 the depth of what we've come to understand, and from that, you know, sitting on the third base line next to Jack and seeing him bubbling over and feeling empty and, and, and lifeless spiritually to feeling that bubbling over. I mean, we wanted that. And, and since we've come to CVC and been in the, involved in, in, in everything that we've been involved here, we feel that way, that, mm-hmm. that energy. And you guys lead a life group? Yep, we started leading a life group and this you're year. serving in a ministry? I work with, the, uh, with uh, 21 of the sixth grade boys uh, in Collide, and you parents of those boys know those are crazy. If you got kids that age, those we're are crazy. You you we're going to pray for you right now. It's all, yours, is, it's all yours is one of them. <laughs> it's fun, though. I can tell you when Chad mentioned earlier about the summer camp, and, and I went to summer camp last year, and unbelievable. It was just, if anybody wants to go, just let me know. I'll put in a good word with Rick and Joe. It was absolutely amazing to see the desire to know Christ in these 6th, 7th, 8th grade high school kids and beyond. You know, it's great, the energy that you saw there, but then it's continued Past, past that and, and working with Collide and the impact groups and seeing the, the, the life that these young men and women have, and it's amazing. So you went from feeling empty to filled, from feeling lifeless to life. What, what's, your, what's your plan to grow for this next year? As you look at 2015, what are some ways you want to continue to grow? And- well, as, as a family, we've had, you know, we've had, you know, we've seen the Kramers, the Tuckermans. I mean, we knew a little bit about them before these past few weeks and, and seeing what they've been able to do um, in, forgot Christ's work across the globe. Um, and the kids have asked, and my boys have asked a lot of questions about that, and we've had some conversations. You know, how could, where do we fit into that? Where do we fit in, you know, maybe Appalachia or, you know, a, a, a something here locally, but yeah. some serving opportunities, being more intentional with our, our, Bible, our Bible reading, um, that we can be more focused on that. It's not just a matter of today I did it. It's, you know, how does it impact me to dive into it a little bit more? And then with the new, you know, going into next year, we, you know, we still have a lot of friends from our old church, and, and some go there still. Some have stopped going altogether, and we've had a lot of different conversations about, about our friends and, and the families from that area, or, you know, in our lives, that how can we help them? I, I look at them, and I see me sitting on the third base line, wondering why I don't feel that way. I see many of them feeling that way too. And, you know, we've heard in the, the light series about what really struck me was where the moon reflects the light of the sun, we can reflect the light of Christ. You know, how can we glorify God by reflecting his love uh, to, to the others that, that maybe don't, that they don't have that and they can f- experience that new life well, as well. we're very excited about the way God's grown you and your family. It's a generational impact. It's not just your kids, but now you've been taught to some of your parents. Yep. Wife's mother comes as well and she awesome. loves it. So we rejoice with you. Well, thank you for sharing, and thanks for growing. Thanks for serving, and we're very excited about what God's been doing in your family, man. Thanks a lot. That's just exciting to hear about people changing in Christ and what what God does. And, you know, we've been talking about it all month, about how Jesus is the light of the world. He draws us out of darkness into light. And to all of you know people like Rob, all of you know people in your lives, family, friends that were in the darkness, whether it was ignorance or rebellion or a bad church experience that led them to, to stiff-armed God and now have embraced Christ and experienced a new life. And that's, that's what we're about. 
And that's what we want to see more of, is more people experiencing new life in Christ. You know, exactly three months ago, the 28th of September, I just took a Sunday to have kind of a family moment and share with you my heart about something that God had laid and impressed upon me for our church as we go into this year. And our church already is proactive in sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We're already active in so many different ways. But, but one of the things that's um, very evident for us is that we are, we are surrounded by multiple communities. And, and we do a great job, you know, getting on a plane and crossing the oceans to another place. And we do a great job in getting our cars and going elsewhere. And we do a good job in a lot of regional stuff. But we can do even a better job, I think. We can really, really just embrace what God has for us in our most immediate context. What, what in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, what, what we would call our Jerusalem, the, the towns that most directly surround us with Brexville and Broadview Heights and North Wellington and Parma and Independence and all that stuff. Like, what can we do? How can we be used by God to continue to impact the people that are most immediately around us in our context? And as we think about the call that God has put upon his church, his bride, to, to impact and influence people for Christ, um, and I, I, there's a lot of churches out there not doing that. There's a lot of churches out there that, that are content or have become numb in, in, the, in, the, in the call to go and, and teach and share and love and serve. And I shared with you three months ago, if you were here, and if you weren't, you might find this interesting, uh, four reasons, and I got this from a book, and this is just four of like ten, four reasons uh, that a lot of churches slip into this place where they're not being proactive and helping others discover a relationship with Christ. And four of those reasons were the past is the hero, they're too focused on what we used to be and what we used to do and what used to happen. Uh, the Great Commission becomes the Great Omission, where the call and the commandment that Jesus gave us to go and make disciples is just you know, left out. It's just skipped over. Uh, it becomes preference-driven rather than purpose-driven, that a lot of churches have forgotten the purpose of why we exist. We're, we exist to glorify God, to be light in the darkness, and a lot of churches start focusing on, well, I don't like this, and I don't like that, and we should do this more, and we should do that more, and we, we become preference. We start to have these preference battles, and all those little skirmishes take place over preferences, and therefore the purpose gets sidelined. And then, of course, the church didn't pray together. You know, prayer is the hardest work and the most necessary work if we're going to see God change lives, because only God can change a heart, right? You and I do not have the ability to change a heart. You and I don't have the ability to get someone, quote-unquote, saved. Only God can do that. And so we need to come to God. You know, the phrase of you need to talk to the Lord about your friend before you talk to your friend about the Lord. You know, that phrase that's gone out there. And so I, I shared with you what God had laid on my heart three months ago. And I want to really revisit that because this is what this whole next year is going to be about. That we would increase our intensity and we would increase our frequency. We would increase our ability in learning how to share the good news of God's love of forgiveness through a relationship with Jesus Christ in our most local context, our Jerusalem, the cities and the people that most immediately surround us. And I shared with you that if a thousand of us would take this on, that if a thousand of us would find ten people that we know or suspect don't know the Lord, that we'd just start to pray for them. Just start to pray for them. And if a thousand of us did that, we'd be praying for 10,000 people this year. That God would just do something great in their life. And God would just bless them. And God would just um, draw them to himself. And I said, you know, if a thousand of us would commit to have two conversations a month, two days out of 30, two new life conversations where we get a chance to share about God's love and God's forgiveness through Christ. If we did that twice a month and a thousand of us are doing that, that's 24,000 new life conversations taking place. And you know, I really believe that if we do that and we're faithful, that God's going to show up and God's going to show us 500 people experience new life in Christ this next year. 
We've never seen anything like that. That's something only God can do. So we're asking him to do it. And so we're calling this New Life 1024. It's just a simple articulation. We believe in new life in Christ. And we believe that if we're praying for 10,000 people, that's where we get the 10. And we have 24,000 conversations, that's the 24. And we're just faithful to live for that calling this next year. That we'll see God show up in other people's lives. And guess what? He'll show up in your life too. Because you'll be faithful. And you'll be stepping out of your comfort zones. And you'll be faithful to pray for people. And God's going to do some great work with that. You know, when I met with you last, I said, pray this prayer. Lord, give me a greater burden for those who don't know you. I hope you've been praying that. I know, I know many of you have. I also asked you to pray this. Lord, help us stir in us a greater burden for those who don't know you. And so we've been praying that for a few months now. Now it's time to act upon it, to finish up a year strong as we've been you know, doing that this year and then tee up and kick off a year strong well in that regard. So I want to give you a, a passage of Scripture that as I was reflecting, because there's so many passages of Scripture to talk about on this, on this topic of trying to reach people for Christ. But one that I really found myself drawn to just for today is found in Romans chapter 10. So open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. Some of you are like, wow, I didn't know we were going to get into the Bible today. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. And uh, we're going to skip through Romans 10 here and look at a couple different verses. But I love this passage, and I, and I resonate with this passage in a deep way because of who wrote it, what was said, and what it means for us. And if you don't have a Bible today, uh, you can fire up your Bible app. It's on the screen. It's in your program. If you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give you one as a gift. Just go out to the information center and grab a Bible. But Romans chapter 10, verse 1 says this. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. I want you to look at that and listen to that and, and try to understand the intensity and the burden of that expression. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Well, who's my? Who's talking here? This is the Apostle Paul. This is a man who's actually hated Christians. He was an enemy of God. And then God grabbed his heart, grabbed his life, and now God used him to write Scripture. <laughs> this is a beautiful thing when we think about who this was. Well, who's them? He's saying, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them. Well, who's them? It's his people. It's the people that he knows. Now, in this context, it's literally the Israelites because Paul was Jewish. And so he's thinking about those of the Jewish faith who have rejected Jesus, who have kept an arm from Jesus, and his heart is burdened for those that he knows that have rejected Jesus, that are not embracing a relationship with Christ. And so his awareness of the people out there around him, this nation around him, his people that have done that, breaks his heart. And, and listen to that. My heart's desire. He's got a burden for the people who've rejected Christ. And my prayer, see, a burden that he felt became a prayer that he lifted. Guys, it's so important that whatever burdens you feel, your life, the lives of the people around you, that you lift them in prayer. The burden that he felt became a prayer that he lifted. He started lifting them up in prayer. That they may be saved. Saved from what? Was there a fire coming through the town? Like, what, what does saved mean, Right? For those of us who've been in the Bible, been in church, we understand saved is, is Bible language for those who don't know God, don't have a relationship with God, who have, um, are, are condemned in sins, come to an understanding to turn from the self, to turn to Christ and follow Christ, let him into the life. You know, the one Bible verse I love, the captures that, skip down to, to verse 9, Romans 10, verse 9. 
What does it mean to be saved? This is like the thumbnail. This is, this is it in a sentence. In Romans 10.9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what's it say? You will be saved. I want to read that again. Listen to this. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. Many of you here have been raised in a religious system or some religious thinking that has not taught you that. It sounded like this instead. If you do these things, then you'll be saved. It's church plus something. If you go to church and be a good person, if you go to church and say these prayers, if you go to church and sing these songs, if you go to church and wear these clothes, if you go to church and do these acts, if you go to church plus whatever, then, and sometimes even in parentheses, maybe you'll go to heaven. Then you might stand a chance to see God at the end of this life. Well, now, as you look in the Bible, look at those words, it's a lie. Some of you are looking at it, and and there's been years of misinformation for you, because it says right here that all you need to understand is that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. What's the punctuation mark at the end of that? It's a period. There's no ellipsis. There's no fill in the blank. It's a period. And there's so many people around us. That's the darkness that we talk about. There's so many people in darkness. They're, they're, They're blinded to that. They don't understand that. And we have to come to that simple place that if I believe in Jesus and that he died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave, and not a trite belief like, oh, yeah, that, okay, yeah, I got that thing. Like, you understand that and you confess that because you can't help but confess it once you understand it. Then, then you're going to have a relationship with God. Maybe some of you in this room still need to do that. Maybe this is extremely enlightening for some of you who, like Rob and like so many others, like, oh, I was in the system, I was in this church, or I wasn't in church at all, and... That's the simplicity of it. I think the biggest struggle we have is it almost seems too simple, right? That's all I have to do. That's it. See, man complicates things, doesn't it? We make it complicated. God, that sounds too easy, so we're going to fix it for you. We're going to doctor it up. We're going to upgrade you a little bit, Lord, because this sounds just a little too easy. Nah, that's, that's, that's all I need to do. And he expresses this deep personal burden for people who don't know the Lord. Look what he says in verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For everyone. I want you right now to think about the person you know that's maybe 80 to 90 years old. And you're thinking, too late. Can't te- teach an old dog new tricks. Maybe, maybe think about the, the person you know whose the heart is so hard. You're thinking, man, they, they, <laughs> there's no way. In fact, they're, they're, they're an atheist. And they, they've got nothing good to say about God. And if we bring up the topic, it's going to go bad fast. Let me remind you who penned these words. The Apostle Paul. God used the Apostle Paul, who used to hate Christians, to write those words. You know, I had a man come up to me first thing this morning. He, he saw me and said, came right up to me and says, I gotta tell you something. It was Christmas Eve. He goes, I brought my 85-year-old mother. I've been praying for her for 30 years. He goes, she gave her life to Christ. She goes, she couldn't even crack the little glow stick. I had to crack it for her, and she held it up and started waving it. <laughs> Why do we rejoice? Why does that make us? Re- because we know that a lost soul just got saved. We know that a person who was in darkness came into the light. And talk about, I mean, 85 years old, it's like cramming for a final. You know, it's like, <laughs> whoo! 
Now, some of you are going, oh, if that would just be my mom, if that would just be my dad, that would just be my friend. It just may very well be. Remember, he'd been praying for her for 30 years. He also had to have the courage to say, Mom, you want to go to church with me? He also had to have the trust that he's going to bring her to a church who's going to tell her that God loves her and that Jesus died on the cross for her, that Jesus rose from the grave for her, that she could have new life and eternal life. That enthusiasm, like we need to erupt with a contagious nature for this. This is our heart's cry that more people would have new life in Christ. If you got excited about that, hang on, because with that enthusiasm comes responsibility. Look at verses 14 through 17. If it's true that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, look at verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? That's a problem. How can they call on someone they don't believe in? Okay? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? Let's just time out here for a second. I want to remind you of something. There are people born and raised in the United States of America that have yet to hear that Jesus loves them. I meet them all the time. Some of you meet them all the time. Some of you work with them. Some of you go to school with them. It's hard to believe that in a state with so many churches, a state that's, or a nation with so many churches, and a nation with, you know, quote-unquote could be Christian, which, you know, that's now debatable. There are people that still don't know about what we would call the gospel, that they're a sinner who's lost, who's in a condemned state, that if they don't get right with Jesus, are going to spend eternity in hell. We need to understand what's at stake. We live in a condemned state. Hell is our default destination. Unless we come out of the darkness into the light. Unless we understand who Jesus is and what he did. Unless we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we confess that with our mouth. Unless that happens, we spend eternity away from God in a place of wrath and torment. That's what's at stake. And some of us have become so part of the world, we're so of the world instead of in the world. Some of us are asleep. Some of us are numb. Some of us are distracted to forget what's at stake. And as a parent, I feel like I'm always living with good intentions that never are materialized. Oh, I should play Legos more with my kid. Oh, I should spend more time. Oh, I should, do, you know, I mean, as a parent, you always, they grow up so fast, right? Some of you that have adult children going, you have no idea. Some of you are holding grandchildren when it seems like just a day ago that was your child. Same thing is true spiritually. Oh, I'll, I'll pray for that person later. I'll, I'll share with them down the road. Really? How do you know down the road is even going to be available? And how are they going to believe in whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? By the way, preaching doesn't mean just take them to church. Preaching means that someone's sharing, that someone's verbalizing, someone's vocalizing the good news about God's love, about forgiveness of sins, about the death and resurrection of Jesus. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. God has called you to have gorgeous feet. What that means is that those who walk, that carry the message to others, bring good news. Guys, this is a cycle. We're all in that cycle somewhere. And if you know Christ, I think it's evident where you are in the cycle. That if you've already called and believed, then it's your turn to be sent. It's our turn to be sent. And you're sent to your workplace. You're sent to your school. You're sent to your neighborhood. And it doesn't mean you just, you know, you leave here. You, you misunderstand. If you leave here, all right, here I go. And you go knock on all your doors and, you know, your neighbor answers the door and you go, Jesus loves you. He died. He rose again. Are you covered? Washing the blood of Jesus. 
Slam that door, and you know what? You did more damage than you did good. But if you learn their name, you learn how to pray for them. Oh, heaven forbid you actually pray for them. You find ways to give gifts. You find ways to serve. You find ways to love and just embrace people. When the time comes, when the moment's right and God's timing, guess what? You can share the good news. You have a spiritual pedicure. You have great feet in that moment. You're bringing the good news. Look at verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And that's what we're dedicating 2015 to do, is to be people who are faithful to be sent. Not just over to another country, not just over to another state, not just downtown, but next door. And so we're kicking off New Life 1024, and I just want to remind you and share with you, and we'll talk a lot more about this in the next couple of weeks, about our two major strategic um, parts of as being a community of faith. One, this whole New Life 1024, the 10 stands for 10,000 in prayer. We're going we're gonna to commit ourselves to deeper prayer as a body of Christ. I want to give you some understandings of what that means. One is you need to be thinking about 10 people that you can pray for who do not have a relationship with Christ. And so this is available as of today. Uh, it'll be in the program starting next week, but for today it's just at the Information Center. We're providing a card for you that just has 10 um, blank lines. And you can write down the first and last names of 10 people that you suspect do not have a relationship with Christ, that need a relationship with Christ. And then the bottom is a part that you can rip or cut off that just you put their first name down. And you can turn that in. Because here's the deal. You're praying for these, this card and these names. When you turn this in, to us through the basket, or we have a prayer room that we're beefing up. In that prayer room is going to be a wall where all these end up on. So that all week, these names are being prayed for by others as well. Like, praying for 10,000 people is like no joke. We're doing it. We're doing it. I'm calling you out. We're doing this. We're stepping up. And so you're going to grab one of these cars, and you're going to write down the 10 names, and, you're, and we're, going to, we're going to love these people through prayer. And ask God to do something. There's a sample prayer on the back about, I don't know how to pray for these people. Here, here's a sample. You can pray that, okay? So here's, here's that, that's one thing. Also, during this worship time, we're always telling people about the love of Jesus. You know what needs to be happening while we're talking about Jesus? We need people praying that people's ears are being opened. And so in that prayer room, we need at least three to ten people every single service praying for what's taking place in here. Some of you, you're like, I don't know where to serve. I don't know what to do. Can you hang out for 15 to 30 minutes in a prayer room, one service? And just pray that God would move in the hearts of people. That's, that's a pretty easy thing to do. So there's a sign-up out there in the foyer. Take a service. I come to 930 to service. Great, show up at 815, 830, pray for a while, then come to your service. What can we do to just bathe this place in prayer? Some of you have been asking about Seek Week. We started this last year. Are we going to do a Seek Week? Yes, we are. January 12th through the 17th, we're taking a whole week to fast and praise the church. So God, stir in us these burdens. And so we're going to dedicate a whole week to prayer. Easter. Easter's another time where thousand or so people show up that don't normally step into church to hear about Jesus, we're going to take 45 days leading up to Easter, 24 hours of prayer for 45 days straight. We're going to be calling upon you to take certain time slots just to pray for 45 days. Is God not going to respond to the hearts of his people praying? Is God not going to respond to the people who say, my heart's desire, my prayer is that they would be saved? Some of you in here are going, this is very interesting because you're talking about praying for me. I don't know the Lord. Man, we'd love to share with you. It's non-threatening. Let's have a spiritual conversation. Man, write down on your card, hey, I'd love to have a spiritual conversation. You can have a spiritual conversation before you leave today. Stop by the prayer code. Stop by the information center and go, I want to have a spiritual conversation. I've got questions. Well, let's talk. 
And this is, this, is, this is what it's all about. This life, it's gone. Life is gone. When it's gone, you, eternal life, that's all that matters. Do you have a relationship with the Lord? We're also going to be dedicated to share. We've got to share the gospel. We're going to share the good news. We're going to share about new life. So uh, I'm going to ask you guys, uh, another action step that I'm going to ask you guys is January 31st. We're bringing in a guy that has an awesome conversational guide how to tell people about a relationship with the Lord. And so we're calling them New Life Conversations. I'm asking 500 of us to make sure there's at least 500 of us here on January 31st. Block that day off on your calendar. Take a few hours to learn how to share your faith in a very creative, conversational way. The thing that prevents people from sharing their faith primarily is fear. Most people are afraid. And one of the things that leads to that fear is that they feel ill-equipped. I don't, I don't know how to do it. Well, come. Make the commitment. You know, you got a month heads notice. Just mark that day off. Give us a few hours, and we'll help you overcome that fear by learning how to share your faith in a more natural way. And maybe you're sitting here going, I don't know what to believe. Come and hear. It's a great opportunity for you to hear firsthand what we truly believe about coming to the Lord. All, all the message series for the next year are lined up in such a way that we're talking about new life in Christ as well. And so we're going to be sharing on all fronts. If you show up here, whether it's children's ministry, students' ministry, adult ministry, we're going to be sharing the good news of Christ and giving you a chance to respond. Life groups, we're asking you guys to share more uh, about the gospel. All of us are going to be just more active in telling the good news about Jesus. That's what God has called us to do. So there's your action points for this next year. Is, and there's a slide on that for the action points. You can pull that up really fast. Thank you. And if you don't know the Lord, then don't leave it today without putting that trust in Christ. Get your top 10 prayer card. Start praying and thinking about that. Make sure you commit. The Get Fit series is seven weeks of conditioning. Okay, we're going to take this on for a year. Let's get our hearts right, our minds right, our souls right. Let's condition ourselves, you know, our relationships right, our rhythms. Some of you are like, what is the whole rhythmic fitness exactly? We'll teach you. And then uh, commit to January 31st, New Life Conversations. These are things we're asking you guys to do. I'm looking forward to seeing what God is going to do through a group of faithful people willing to help others come out of the darkness into the light. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thanks for the reminder that we exist to bring you glory. God, we exist to help people move from darkness to light, from emptiness to being filled. God, from death to life. And God, we know that Jesus isn't just for eternity. He's, he's for now, too. For those of us struggling with discouragement, depression, frustration, anger, whatever it is, Jesus, you can change all that. You set the addicts free. You set the slaves free. And God, you provide new life today. You provide eternal life for eternity. We're so grateful for that. God, help us as a community to be about that. Thank you for what you've done in Rob's life and many others. Thank you for those watching online right now. God, that you would stir in them a desire to know you on a greater level and to be proactive in sharing the good news of Jesus. God, stir in us a greater burden for those who don't know you. Maybe our heart's desire and our prayer, the people we know get saved. God also take these gifts, their investments, their trust. It's the last time of the year that we get to pour out this dedication, this investment for those to know you. God, would you take it, multiply it for your work. I thank you for all that you did last year. God, I can't wait to next year when we sit here at this time and look back at all the amazing, wonderful things that you did that only you can get the glory for. 
So God, New Life 1024, we give it to you. We ask you to make it glorify you and bless others. We ask in Jesus' name. We all sit together.